Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that this is the day that you have made, that you have brought us together and by your grace have given us your word to gather together to hear your word. And that's what we ask for this morning. We ask that by your spirit, you would speak not just to our minds, but to our hearts, that you would change us. And we ask for this in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Amen. So church, for the past several months, we've been exploring the incredible sermon that Jesus gave to his first disciples in the first century on a little mountain somewhere in Galilee. And as we've seen through the months, as we've explored the words of our Lord, this sermon was never meant to stay in the minds of the first century Jewish disciples, but was designed to penetrate and echo through every generation um, of those who wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And I want to point this out. This sermon was never meant to stay just as a historical record of an incredible teaching. I mean, through the months, as we've seen, Jesus has removed any possibility of impartiality when it comes to being a follower of him. Either you are for him or you're against him. Because, as we've discovered, his revelation requires a response from those who hear it. Every step of the way, every sentence we've looked at, every doctrine that Jesus has spoken into, we've been left with a choice. Either to believe what he has to say, like thing, on things like our ethical obligations in this world, our relationships with others in and out of the church, our priority of God in every aspect of our life as well as our relationship to our material possessions, we're left with a choice. Well, again this morning, we're left with a choice either to follow Jesus as his disciples against all odds in this world, which is to embrace eternal life or cling to the world and take the easy route, which will end in total and utter destruction. There's only two ways, and according to the word made flesh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So let's dive in and see what Jesus means to tell us. If you have your Bibles, that will be very helpful. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. Okay, so the first thing that I want you to notice here is that Jesus gives us a command. A command to enter through the narrow gate. And it's an urgent call for you to make a choice to join his kingdom in the one and only way that we can. That's right. Jesus is calling on people to respond to the message he's been preaching. Let's think about where this command is placed in the sermon. All through this sermon, he's been telling us about the righteousness of the kingdom, about the way of the kingdom, about the character of the kingdom. And now, after teaching us all these glorious truths, he says, I don't want you to stand there 
and admire the kingdom. Now I command you to enter it through the narrow gate. In other words, it's an urgent call for his hearers to do something with what they've heard. You see, what Jesus is doing here is ending his sermon with an exhortation, which I think we need to take as a warning as well. In fact, we're going to look at four warnings over the next uh, few weeks that cap off uh, this sermon. There's two ways to live, which we're going to look at this morning. Two trees that bear different fruits. Two claims of Christ's disciples and two ways to build your house. All that to say what Jesus is doing here with this narrow gate language is capping off his teaching with a call, a call to respond to what he has said because hearing his teaching alone will not save you. It's like going to swimming lessons and listening to what the teacher has to say but then putting nothing into practice and then wondering why you can't swim. Well, much, much in the same way, you are to do something with the Lord's teaching. Namely, you are to embrace Christ and live out the way of the kingdom in this world. Now, there's something to note here about our context. The disciples have been the primary receivers of all that Jesus has been saying since we started looking at this sermon some months back. Uh, But throughout, Jesus has also had an eye on the crowds as they could overhear what he was saying. And we know that's the case because Matthew reports to us in verses 28 and 29 of this chapter that there were others there that were listening by the end of this sermon meaning there was a mix of people before Jesus. And so he's cautioning both his disciples and the crowds about what they are to do with what they've heard. I mean, on the one hand, he's warning his disciples to examine themselves, to be sure that they're truly members of the kingdom and not simply those who profess an allegiance. Yet on the other hand, he wants the crowds to consider very carefully what they have heard about the kingdom of heaven. In other words, whoever has heard the words of Jesus, a choice must be made. Are you going to embrace Christ and what he has to say, or are you going to reject him and all that you've been told? There is no middle ground. No middle ground with Jesus. No other choice and a decision must be made. What Jesus says here, that decision has eternal consequences. Now I want to pause here for a moment and I think we need to ask ourselves something. What exactly is the narrow gate? What does Jesus mean by that? Well, we know by looking at other places in Scripture that Jesus reveals himself to be the gate, meaning he's the only way to be saved. For example, in John 10, 9, he says, I am the gate. Pretty clear. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Again, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth 
and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's incredible stuff. Jesus makes it clear that he is the only way that one can enter into the kingdom of heaven. That he alone is the gateway of salvation. There is no other way. He is the way of eternal life. Either choose him and enter that life or reject him and be eternally ruined. This this actually isn't the first time that we've heard God speak like this uh, to his people. I wonder if you would for a moment cast your mind back to when Israel was at Mount Sinai after God had rescued them from the tyranny of Pharaoh. God had taken his people from the iron furnace, from the house of slavery, because they were his. And he had done so because he had promised Abraham, their forefather, to do so. And it was on that mountain, after he had given them the law, that God says to his people, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you, the curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you, Deuteronomy 11. Hear what's being said. After God draws his people out of absolute darkness, after he had gathered them to himself on the mount, after he had taught them the law, he gives them a choice, saying, today I'm setting before you a blessing and a curse. Going on in Deuteronomy 30, saying, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. In other words, there are only two ways and you have a choice. Either listen to what you've heard and live in covenant with God and be blessed entering that life or follow the way of the world and come to ruin. So with all that said, with all that Jesus has revealed about God and the kingdom, He gives us a few things for us to consider because he knows that there's many things in this life that try to vie for our attention and pull us away from choosing the Lord Jesus Christ, from choosing life and then living that life in the kingdom, of the kingdom, in this world. And so he lays before us a few things in this passage as to why we must enter life through the narrow gate And keep on keeping on. Look with me at verse 13. Jesus says, For wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. So the first things first. First things first. The way of death looks like the best way to live your life now. Now Jesus says the way is wide, meaning it's easy as it offers to the senses a natural pull towards it. Because the easy and attractive way seems like the best way, yet its end is destruction. And many people 
many people are on it. I was watching an interview this week uh, with two, well, they like to think they're political commentators, uh, Russell Brand and Jordan Peterson, and they were talking about how culture has radically become unhinged in every arena, in things like politics, education, uh, journalism, philosophy, and even women's sport, however that's defined these days, not to mention ethics around sexuality. They came to the conclusion that social media has so much to play in it, but as I was watching them talk, it became abundantly clear that there is more than a popular opinion in this world that has infiltrated many people's minds. There's actually a spiritual rebellion. And this spiritual rebellion flies in the face of God's order. Yet people can't be bothered to fight against it, either because they're afraid of being trashed on social media, cancelled in society, or having their livelihoods threatened. So they just get in line and they just go with the flow of the people. And that's the thing, right? It's easier to just go with the flow. It's more attractive it's more popular to go the way of the broad road. It's easier because it goes with the popular opinion and it has the least resistance, meaning it's going to be the most accepted thing in our world. So secondly, we notice here that many will embrace that way of life because it's the easiest thing to do means that many will embrace the broad way and many will reject the narrow gate. I want you to think about this in our context in Australia. It's not popular to say this day and age that there is only one way and that way is Jesus. It's simply not. But that is the gospel. Because all of us, every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We by our very nature are doomed to destruction, meaning we are all by nature on the broad road and without any intervention, total and utter destruction would be our end. Yet God made a way. God came to rescue us in the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sin. And we must turn to him and cast ourselves before him. There is no other way. That is the narrow gate. But that message, church, is not popular with this world. That message is detested by many and that's why so many people take the broad road because they want to do things their way. They don't want to bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, no matter how good the news is. But where does it lead? What does Jesus tell us to utter destruction? There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. He is the narrow gate which leads to life. And he knows 
that coming to the narrow gate, it looks hard. And admittedly, brothers and sisters, it is hard. It is hard if we take everything that Jesus has said to us in this sermon. We see that to become his disciple, well, it requires repentance. It requires faith, self-denial and coming to grips with just who and what we are before God. Jesus calls it being poor in spirit. It's hard and in fact, I would say impossible to do without the grace of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Yet Jesus tells us here, though it's hard, though it's not popular, though not many people are doing it, it is more desirable than the pleasures and the ways of this world because all of that is heading to one place. Utter destruction. That's why it says in verse 14, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few will find it. Only a few find it. And I want you to hear this. There are only a few who find it. Sorry, there are only a few who find and take the narrow course. So third, and we must all be aware of this. We're not automatically saved because we've just heard the gospel and attend church. As we've already seen this morning, Israel was rescued from certain death. They were given the revelation of God. They were part of Abraham's descendants, part of the covenant people. But what did we see? God still gave them a choice. He gave them a choice whether to believe his word and follow after him or to reject what he had revealed to their own peril. In other words, the blessing of God was not automatic, not automatically given to all Israel. No, it was only given to those who believed God, who loved God, who trusted God and who worshipped God from the heart. Paul makes this clear in his letter to the Romans in chapters 9 through to 11. And so with that background and with the context of the crowds that are before him, Jesus reminds us here as well that there are many out there in the world and dare I say it, in the visible church as well that hear the gospel but they end up rejecting it. It's what Jesus is getting at here. Not everyone who hears the gospel responds to it in faith. Many will hear it, but still reject it. Only a few find it. No, it's only those who embrace and believe the gospel that will find eternal life. It's only those who trust in Jesus fully and finally that find the way of life. So as we think about these things this morning, I want to draw your attention to the two gates and two ways that have been contrasted and presented to us this morning. On the one hand, there is the wide gate, and it is that gate, says Jesus. That gate that many enter into because it's the popular and easy way. I mean, think about what we've already heard this morning. 
to be on the broad road, you don't have to change at all. There's no repentance required. No, the way that leads to destruction is easy and doesn't require you to turn at all. Remember what we've learned about repentance. It's it's a change of mind and it's a turning from the way that you were going and to the Lord Jesus. According to our Lord, if there's no repentance, that way of life leads to one place. There's a narrow gate, however. The narrow gate. And that gate requires poorness of spirit and confession of sin. It requires a humility to look to Christ and confess that there is nothing in and of yourself that merits anything before God. It requires a life that is fully surrendered to God and the life that cries out to Christ to save them. And that's what's been presented to us over the months again and again and again. To enter through the narrow gate requires us to leave behind our self-righteousness and our self-ambition at the gate. In other words... Jesus requires a full surrender. Now, I want to say something about the language that's found in our passage this morning. You'll notice in verse 13, Jesus uses the language of the narrow gate, but in verse 14 talks about the small gate. Is he talking about the same thing? Well, the narrow gate, as we've seen, is Jesus talking about himself. He is the narrow gate through which people pass as they respond to his invitation to come into the kingdom of heaven. However, with uh, a lot of reading, a lot of conversation, quite a bit of study, I, I believe that the small gate and narrow road language is meant to be seen together. And it's the struggle of the disciple that lasts the rest of their life, uh, sorry, uh, it's the struggle of the disciple and that struggle lasts the rest of our life as we seek to live out the ways of the kingdom in this world. And I say that because Jesus is contrasting two patterns of life in our passage this morning. There's two patterns that, that he's contrasting. The lifestyle of the unrighteous, and the lifestyle of his faithful. And it's as we've looked at this over the months that we can see that there is only one way in which to please God. And it's not to live in any which way that you want. No, over and over, the Lord Jesus has said to us, there is only one way of life that's pleasing to the Father. And it's a life that seeks to live by God's way, which has been clearly marked out in divine revelation. A life that is restricted, if you will, to doing what God wants. A.K.A. it's a life that walks the narrow way. To put it plainly, those that are pleasing to God are those that come to Christ 
And then by the grace of God, under the reign of God, according to the righteousness of God, live a life as set forth in accordance with his word. That's what we're seeing contrasted here this morning in these two lifestyles. Much like the psalmist says in Psalm 1, Uh, There is a way that seems right to humanity, right in our own eyes, and many live that way because they can set the standards and live by it. And it's easy and more attractive because at the end of the day, they can indulge in anything that they want and live in such a way where in their minds, at least, there's no consequences. But Jesus says... That way of life, dear ones, it's a delusion. It's a delusion because it might seem right now, it it might feel right now, but at the end of the day, it will end in destruction. However, there is another way. It is the narrow way, which is the way of righteousness as revealed in God's word. And church, there is no doubt That is is the harder way. It is the harder way because it is the way of self-denial and a life of what Jesus says in Luke of picking up our cross. But as Jesus says here, it is so worth it. That's what I believe Jesus is saying. There's only one way to the Father It is through Jesus. And being a disciple of Jesus is not going to be easy. The narrow way is hard. It's going to take work on our end, either externally from outward persecution or internally from your own flesh. But be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because though something's not easy, doesn't mean it's not worth it. And I want to say this as well, though it's not easy, it doesn't mean it's going to be miserable. Is it hard to repent of our sins? Yes, at times it's it's incredibly hard. Is it hard to be confronted with who we are? Yes, very much so. Does it sometimes hurt when we're examining ourselves and light of the scriptures? Absolutely. It is sometimes abrasive to hear sermons, and dare I say it, even preach sermons that slash at our pride. Very much, very, very much so. But the question might be asked, is it good? Is it good? Is it good when a light is is shined into that dark place so that we are confronted with those things about ourselves so that we can take them to our Father in heaven in confession? Absolutely. Make no mistake that the narrow way is hard. It hurts to see ourselves as we are. It hurts to know that we're still somewhat rebellious in what we do. It hurts to know that there is something in us that's still striving and kicking back against our gracious Father even after we've come to the knowledge of the truth. But the question is asked. Ask that question. Aren't you also filled with absolute joy? 
absolute joy to know that though the way is hard, though the path is narrow, that you're actually on the narrow way because in God's kindness, in God's unrelenting love, he, by the work of the Holy Spirit, has opened your heart to the gospel so that we who were on that road to destruction might embrace the narrow gate, embrace Christ and enter the narrow way. You see, far from being a miserable life, there's a whole spectrum of joys that we as the disciples of Christ that we enjoy on this side of eternity. As I said, the deepest joy comes from personally knowing God as our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's also freedom that over time, over the course of our life, is experienced more and more and more from that sin that once so consumed and killed us. Paul says it like this, we are no longer slaves and we get the privilege of learning what that is to live that out. And then, of course, there's the joy of knowing, like we did this morning as the people of God, that we can approach God together in and through Christ and confess our sins to our Father in heaven and know that he has forgiven us, that our conscience is clear because of the work of Jesus. I also want to point that there's a new love that many of us come to experience in our hearts towards one another. There is a love in this room that goes deeper between us than even between physical family. And we are learning and experiencing that together as we walk the narrow path together. Church, make no mistake, it, it is the kindness, graciousness and covenantal love that God has for his people that leads us to embrace and enter through the narrow gate and then puts us on the narrow way. And though it might not And though we might not see it fully right now, those that have confessed yourself before God and embraced Jesus Christ, well, there is coming a day when you will experience something that is far beyond anything we could imagine now in this life, far beyond any treasure on earth, far beyond any vice, far beyond any mist career opportunity, far beyond anything we could imagine. That's the destination of those who have entered through the narrow gate and are walking the narrow way by God's grace. So as we end our time in this couple of verses this morning, we've seen that there are two ways to live. There is the wide road and many embrace it And as Bond Scott once said, it is the highway to hell. And though hell is not a popular thing to preach about, it is something that the Lord Jesus Christ warned us about time and time again in his ministry. Utter destruction is the consequence 
for rejecting the once and for all sacrifice and walking the broad road of popular opinion. So might I say, if you have not embraced Christ, if you have not seen the beauty of Christ and called upon his name, then friend, you are here by no mistake this morning. You are here because God is is really reaching out to you through the gospel and his promise to you is that he saves anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. Anyone who's done anything. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many are on it. Today is the day. Today is the day to get off the highway to hell. As we've seen this morning, there are only two ways. No compromise with Jesus. You're either part of God's people or you're not. You either embrace Jesus by faith or you haven't. You are either in the kingdom or you're not. And so, brothers and sisters, Christ's words to us this morning, as it's been said, are not just an exhortation. They're a warning, a warning to examine ourselves in light of his words. What choices are you making right now? Because the choices that you're making in your life right now will show you if you're on the narrow path or if you're straying. And so as we end, Jesus spoke these words to his original audience all those years ago. As he spoke to them, he's speaking to us. This is a call for believers and unbelievers alike. If you would say, yes, yes, I have turned to Jesus Then in light of what we've heard this morning, examine your walk, dear one. Examine your walk in light of the gospel. Examine your walk in light of who and what Jesus has done for you. Have you strayed? Have you strayed? If you would confess yes, then now is the time to repent. Now is the time to ask, to seek, to knock And the door will be answered. If you have not embraced the Lord Jesus, then friend, I plead with you, come to the narrow gate. Come to the way of the truth and life and embrace the king of God's heavenly kingdom. He rejects no one who comes to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are very hard words to hear this morning. But we thank you that you have given them to us. Because as it was said all those years ago, you have the words of eternal life. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who rescues your people. That we've seen time and time again you are leading us to a personal and living salvation in you. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, who we can look to as the atoning sacrifice for all our sin. Father, these words, I ask that they pierce the hearts and minds of your people and that in light of the gospel, we would come to the throne of grace and that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. 
and that you would help us to tell others about the narrow gate in which we find so much joy in. We ask for these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.